right. Uh, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. Uh, we are currently uh, reviewing Minute 9 of the Man of Steel movie. Uh, I'm Nathan, and you can find me on social media um, at NoClutchNate, and uh, also my Instagram page, uh, Clutch Figures, where I take uh, pictures of my action figures and such. And my name is Mark, and you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. All right, so uh, at, in this minute, we start off with uh, Jor-El and Haraka, um, who uh, appear to be heading towards um, what looks like a, a cliff-top observatory, which uh, we learn that is the, uh, the the house of El Citadel, and uh, it does, in fact, have an observatory on it. And uh, we end the minute with um, Jor-El. But of course he would, yeah, because it's Jor-El. He's a crazy scientist. Why wouldn't he have an observatory? Uh, we end the minute with him, you know, him and Laura talking and saying that uh, that he'll die out there alone, and uh, he's they're referring to uh, to baby cow, and uh, they're 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 saying they're saying their goodbyes pretty much, and uh, with, with with as much doubt at, as they have in their minds. Mm-hmm. She almost doesn't go through with it. I think uh, what did yeah. she say? She says like I can't do it. Yeah, she can't do it. She I she just that... can't let him go. Now that now that she's looked at him, she just can't let him go. She's scared for him. I mean, the yeah. world's ending as they're talking right now. There's a massive military coup going on. Uh, Haraka maybe died. That's upsetting. I'm assuming he. Yeah. She. He. She. They. She, they died. She. Haraka's a she. Respect your pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, we also get to see a, a better view of Haraka as as uh, the injured Haraka. You know, mm-hmm. his his leg appears to be messed up, and his and his other wing kind of seemed to be uh to to not working as he's falling yeah. out of the sky and managed to get onto a, a landing platform, I guess, of the observatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the we Citadel. get to see more of Haraka's injury. Which, yeah. Uh, in the earlier minute, I was like, mm, is, "Is that it? Is that all that happened to you?" Yeah, no, but I mean, he got he got real yeah, messed he, up. He I mean, it. I wonder if if that was like gills or lungs or anything like that. He probably is doesn't you know that's that's probably the equivalent to a lung collapsing for us, and and so we're the going fire down. coming out of the lungs. Yeah. Like like you can't breathe. You got fire. Your skin is singed. Like you're you're going down and uh, hit it too know. hard, and now my lungs are on fire. Yeah, heart attack. Maybe he's got four hearts or something. Maybe two of them or one of them attacked, and it and it messed up with one of the wings. <laughs> Jor-El making Haraka. Must have four hearts. Four hearts. He's got a bit. What four? about five? Whoa, we're not crazy. <laughs> Whoa, let's scale back now. Yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he's messed up, and uh, you get to see a better look of him. Top view looks uh, like I said he's kind of like a dragon griffin mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Cool, but uh, you know when you when you're when you're a crazy Frankenstein scientist, you can create your flying beast to look however you want, and it's what he did. I'll say. Um. So. Uh, and then once they both land yeah. on the platform or crash land, um, I was actually kind of looking at the sun and it kind of caught my attention only because I was like, the sun doesn't really look red. No. It looks like a sunset. Right. It doesn't look like I was thinking red sun. It doesn't look like a red sun. <laughs> but being the idiot that I am and not well versed in science, I'm sure Neil deGrasse Tyson or someone would be like, a red sun's not actually red. <laughs> Moron. It's, it's not. But also, but I mean, if you're looking at red light radiation in all adaptations of comic series with Superman, it's always giant red floodlights. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it's like, oh crap. Maybe, okay, maybe we won't tell them. It, it, we'll just say it's red sun radiation, but just get a bunch of heat lamps from PetSmart. <laughs> like, and he's just like, oh, he's red. Like, oh, and like he sees it, and he's probably just like, I don't want to fight that battle. They got red sun down there. I'm just gonna stop where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, or you know, maybe 
more sciencey uh, atmosphere conditions lights. on Krypton, it doesn't seem red, kind of thing. Much like smog, you know, it looks different at twelve o'clock noon than it does at five p.m. and and you know, pollution and whatnot. Maybe it's like Alaska on Krypton, and they've never seen the sun go down, and like they're seeing sunset for the first time, and they're like, "Yo, we're dying." Oh, it's Just the end immediately. I- I've never seen that. We're we're all gonna die. Time to get off this planet. It's gonna blow up. Yeah, if something's wrong, you never know. <laughs> I got some more notes on the sun though too. I think Do you? in this minute, uh, yeah, absolutely. In this minute, when when they're talking about um, the physiology and stuff later later on in, in a couple more frames, um, but yeah, they he meets up with a. Uh, yeah, so you saw the sun. Did you anything else? Like that's it. Just more just, more of the exterior of Krypton. You get to see, especially in this picture too. Like if you bring it up bigger, when that when he's actually flying towards the citadel, look at that. It looks like there's like I, a. I noticed the moons. A, yeah, a couple moons, maybe a yeah a moon way over there, and then a moon that looks like it's been broken up. Uh, maybe that's also another to me uh, mining it, kind of deal that they're that's destroying the planet. mining. Maybe yeah. I thought maybe one of their moons crashed into another moon, and so the other broken part of the like the moon that lost the battle just kind of orbits the moon that won the battle oh man how embarrassing (laughs) so i was like oh maybe that's what happened that's kind of cool what if it was like a big like event and it was like moon fight and they had it on the tvs and it was they slowly watching the (laughs) two collide to each other and who was gonna win left or right joel probably saw that coming it was probably like oh these moons are on the he probably made the most out of the ticket sales he's like i know which one it was pay-per-view it's like i know which. he has the observatory he probably rented it out like minute by minute, hour by hour to people. Watch and was party like, yeah. at House L. It was a giant. A million uh, Kryptonian credits or whatever you're going to call them. Kryptonian money. Pay-per-view moon Per fight. view. And they probably sold the place out. I think that's those moons. If, it, if those two moons. If that is the product of two moons fighting. <laughs> I think. Maybe. I think we got a good chance. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> I think because the core is unstable, that it caused that shift in gravitational pull and made them collide. Oh yeah, maybe. I think that's probably maybe this other moon in the far distance is uh, is also coming towards it too. He said no. He actually is the opposite. He's like, whoa, oh, he whoa, said, nope. guys, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want any trouble. I'm gonna hang out out here. Yeah, don't come near me. I'm keep my own business. Stop! You're killing it. <laughs> kind of deal but yeah and then we also see like more uh rigid um you know rock kind of kind of facings of a uh, of civilization like the observatory on top of the on top of the mountain is there civilization sort of, past those mountains it almost uh maybe pe- previous civilization it kind of looks more like again another star wars reference a geonosin kind of kind of like uh like uh, termite mound dealing over there i was gonna say or it could just be rigid uh, rigid mountains i was gonna say like maybe all that past there is like uninhabitable like those yeah are, those are the, the it's barren... solitude like he left yeah. and he you know everybody wanted to go live uh On not the farming life and and in the new fangled uh city of tomorrow if you will well that's the only place that they can live now it's habitable yeah anything out there is uh wasteland dead zone or versus fallout, being a fake you know? oasis yeah yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, good, 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 uh, good, good screen time, good pictures. Mm-hmm. And now you said you had notes on this sun or yellow sun that they both. mentioned later. Well, well, both, and, and and the effects on Kryptonian physiology more so. I mean, that that we already know, of course. You know, he gets superpowers, but more so with uh with with Cal's own Kryptonian physiology. But um, but yeah, he meets up with Lara, and they're they're asking, um, Jor-El's asking Kelex if they if they 
or he's asking her if they found a planet, they being uh, Keylor, sorry, and Lara, because Keylor was the one that stayed at the homestead at the time when Keylex and him were getting the the codex. So wait, this isn't Keylex? I thought this was um, at this at this time. I assumed it was Keylor because he said, "Did did you find a planet?" And Lara says, "Yes, we did." And we, I assume it was Keylor who stayed at mm-hmm. the homestead because Keylex was with Jorel when he was leaving the citadel and you know it blinded the the sort of rao uh guys that were keep holding him captive and uh he hopped on haraka at the very last scene when when they jumped on him and they flew down you saw kelex kind of hop on haraka i thought they didn't i thought they said kelex only because i was like well maybe for story reasons they don't want to like confuse people already We're like oh there's kelex and keelor they just always talk no. to kelex for i think Ke- i mean well no i i don't know maybe no I, I assume I assume Keylor was the one that had the whole view of Earth and and, and chose to you know be there. So th- their goal was to not find a planet. Their goal was to find a yellow sun. Yes, it well the planet that was you know sustainable of life, of course. But the goal was to find one that was orbiting a yellow sun. Because he knew of the effects. And he knew of the effects of long-term exposure. That was the main goal. That's why he says later on, I mean, it's like orbiting the yellow sun and, you know. Were they also looking for the human anatomy to be similar? Yeah, to be similar, to be humanoid substances. But it also, you know, they also, in the in the liquid uh, geo, they, they bring up the... the the anatomy. It shows yeah, the show, show... skull, it shows the brain. Of course, it's going to be much similar to theirs, but I believe less advanced with all you know kryptonian technology that they've gone through you know true because uh in previous books they they do you know kryptonians do refer to humans as you know lesser to them because they they don't have these abilities under a yellow sun they see a yellow sun as it being a privilege i always um like i i believe uh if there was life outside of earth which i do believe there is you know, life in outer space. Sure. I assume that a planet that is that does have life on it looks similar to ours. And I always thought that was like, well, that's just how evolution works. Yeah. So if we went to another planet and there was life on it, there would be humans. A humanoid form, possibly. Hu- humanoid. Um, they would look very much like us, and they would have, like, their own deer and rabbits and sharks. And they would... They're, Animal Kingdom would look very much like ours because that's just what is successful yeah. to live. And that's only if that planet looks is, is just as... Same age. Well, I was going to say, if that's a planet we can live on, it's going to have the same Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Because they're both... Both species that live on Earth and then the other planet would be... Similar, similar because of similar conditions. Similar environment, similar yeah. Animal Kingdom. So... It's not, I don't know how to say it, but it's not impossible that they could find a planet that has humans that look like Kryptonians and all that, because that's just what um, is successful. Yeah, that's what works. Yeah, and, those and are the ones. We're sticking to that central theme. If it works, <laughs> do it. And that's what they did. But with this movie, they tried to push the envelope. So, okay. But yeah. So um, they found the yellow sun. Yeah, so they were saying that it's orbiting a yellow sun and, um, uh, you know, they also take a, a meant to note, uh, a, blah, 
a mention to note that they said just like you said it would, referring to Jor-El saying, we need to find a yellow sun. We need there is a system out there that does sustain life that can sustain humanoid figures with our you know similar brain uh, development that you would be able to blend in, and it's probably going to be rotating a yellow sun, you know. And somehow Jor-El figured that out. He figured out it would be younger. They note that it's younger. It's a younger planet. It's 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 far younger than Krypton. Um, especially like you know, Krypton does look kind of Earth-like, you know, with similarities. A lot of times, like when the rocks, but there's no green, so it could be because harsh environment. Maybe it was a lush green planet. Well, time. yeah, if you look at dead. Uh, Jor-El's, you know, farm. Yeah, they, farm. they got they got plants and, and activity uh, sustain for, for to sustain life, like the animals that he had. But yeah, they're um. He's looking for a yellow sun, and uh, it's uh, which is of course different from a red sun on Krypton. And you know the red sun, red sun makes uh, Kryptonians powerless, if you will. And um, but that's just their normal conditions. So I had questions about how they found this because yeah. they said they found it, but I'm not sure how they found it. And I think some people are, you know, want to know like how they found it. And I have a theory, and I think you found some notes that kind of help my theory but you also have um the actual answer to how they found it so we talked um a long time ago we talked about dev m who was a kryptonian who was exiled yeah um and not through the phantom zone but on a scout ship and just you know exiled that way yeah and this is my idea that they wanted to find a place and they knew that this scout ship had left and they wanted to and and maybe jorah was like yeah, the scout ship might have found the planet that we need to sell Cal. Yeah. Send Cal to. And then Kelex is like, uh, yeah, we found the planet, just like you said we would. And it's orbiting a yellow sun and all that. So I think Jor-El knew about the scout ship. He knew about the FM. And then he was like, find me that planet. And now Kelex is like, hey, we found that planet. You were right. This yeah. is cool. Like, this is what we need to do. And so that worked out for them. And I think that's how they found the planet Earth. And I think you found some more notes about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So going back in time when Devem was uh, exiled, he was put aboard the scout ship. I, I assume to be to, his punishment to was to be a to, to be a worker, pretty much, to be a scouter. You had to go to this planet, and you had to preserve the history of Krypton. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, uh, I mean, from an explorer's point of view, it's uh, it's great. You know, that's what they dreamed to do. But Devem was a soldier, and, um, you know, he, he only knew a soldier's life. So aboard this vessel, they crash land on Earth. Devem uses the opportunity to uh, to to take control, and he kills the entire crew, minus one save for one, um, who later ends up to be. We we learn that that scout ship belonged to uh, to Kara Zor-El, which is a uh, Supergirl, mm-hmm. and um, it's also um, confirmed in the in the Man of Steel universe that uh, that that ship did in fact, exi- uh, belong to Kara. So she does exist in this universe. And um, later on in the film, there's actually a nod to it that we'll, we'll talk about. There's, um, you know, there, there's 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 things on that scout ship that we see later on in the film that, that directly relate to Kara. And uh, and yeah, so, so they probably did find this planet. Um, I don't know anything other than that. So how Jor-El, maybe there was a signal that someone may have sent out at the very end of that time that uh, it happened. Um, 
maybe there maybe was just some, it's some because... blip in technology or maybe he just kind of narrowed it down to a certain region and said, okay, well, there's a yellow sun here. Is there a Goldilocks planet? Bingo. Maybe that's why he went look. He like asked Helix to go find that planet because he knows Kara because that's family. Yeah. And so he was like, find me her ship. It's yeah. not that he was like, if it wasn't about the crime of Dev M and his exile, then it was because of it being a family emergency that Kara was lost in space. And so he told Helix, find me that, find yeah. me where they, find me where they are. And that's how we get to Earth. Uh, and that's the link there. Um, is this in the novelization or is this? I believe this was just stuff I found on the internet. I didn't see. I didn't read past. Because uh... I know there's a Man of Steel prequel or something. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's what I was looking at as well. There is apparently a Man of Steel prequel that that this is all in, involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a novelization. So is that that's the, um, the the Man of Steel prequel is the exile of Dev M that that covers yes. that situation yes. and everything. I wonder if that's a graphic novel or um, a novelization. Um, but that really helps explain, you know, how they even found Earth because you can't just be like, oh, we found it and not explain it yeah, really. Yeah, of course. No, this makes sense. And this makes sense when later we do see the scout ship. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hmm? So, it. I mean, I just I just kind of Google searched real quick on, on the Man of Steel prequel and... Um, there's actually a lot to be learned in this that we should definitely check out. It says, written by Jeff Johns. Written by Jeff Johns and David S. Goyer and Zack Snyder. So it's all of them. Hmm. Yeah, and it has to do with... Uh... It was a one-shot. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a one-shot, and um, they all expand. It's, wow, each each scout ship has its own growth codex. What? Which will allow them to have stored embryos to grow into full Kryptonians and help them transfer the tra- terraform the land. Wow. Well, the, yeah. uh, we see that, and well, they have their own growth codex because don't they? Doesn't Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman use their own growth codex to birth Doomsday with the mix yeah. match material? Like yeah. that would explain how he even got to incubate doomsday mm-hmm. adam zod's body so that makes sense another note that i wanted to talk about was um cal l's crib in that minute yeah so he gets to house citadel he's got the codex in his hand um we see cal l's baby crib yep and he puts the codex in there and it just kind of all links up and everything and to me, I don't think that's uh, a crib any normal person would have on Krypton, right? No, probably not. I think we're. I think this is a crazy contraption that Jor-El probably built um, to kind of download and upload the codex into his son. So I, I don't know. What do you think? I'm guessing if he's making Haraka, he's you know doing all this other crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. This has to be just another crazy contraption laboratory equipment. Yeah, I mean, like... it's noted that he has a birthing room in uh, in the House of El Citadel, so I, I assume they probably needed, like, a, uh, you know, s- sort- certain uh, medical uh, machinery that had to deal with, uh, with, with birthing babies and whatnot, so uh, it's probably of his own design. 
mm-hmm. and that he probably you know used some sort of a preconceived idea of the uh, the Genesis chambers and just kind of made one of it except no baby goo and aquabots and uh, kind of was able to to formulate something to how to uh, to house the uh, the codex as well along with it you know I'm surprised he if all the scout ships have their own growth codex why didn't he just get a scout ship but yeah see that's what that's that's what's confusing me now we're gonna have to look into this and yeah and get on it I'm like maybe maybe so <laughs> they're using parts of Rao all over different scout ships it's just the one on Kandor had the skull <laughs> the other one's got like a like a pinky nail yeah it's yeah. got like the like a femur of yep. Rao and so like they were like, all right, we can only divide this guy up Maybe. so much. So. Body of Christ, something like that. Yeah. But they, hey, shit. you never know. <laughs> you never know. Conspiracies, conspiracies. Um, that's all I got for this minute. Though. Yeah, let's see. Um, oh, I got some more things on the Red Sun. They were talking, because this oh, is what yeah, you get. You, they, there's a lot of dialogue between Jor-El and Lara when, um, you know, they're, they're saying that it's Earth. It's orbiting a yellow sun, and... Um, he definitely takes a note to say that his cells will drink in its radiation. And we see that later in the film, not with Clark, but with Zod, where he's not drinking in radiation. He's just getting rapidly exposed to it. So, like, it messes up. And the, and it's noted that in the past and in the previous Superman continuity in the character lore itself, Superman has always been known to be, if if not the, the if not the most, you know, the most powerful Kryptonian to ever exist because he's had such prolonged yellow sun radiation mm-hmm. exposure. And that's what makes him stronger than seemingly everybody. But the reason because... why they kind of get away with it and it doesn't seem like it, why he still gets punched in the face by, you know, by Supergirl at some points in comics that he does go flying across the room because Superman has been told ever since a little kid, and this is going until after the crash on earth, to control his powers, not really control them, but, you know, be afraid and and try your best to understand them before using power or, or anger or rage or anything like that. Whereas other people, especially Zod, that we see later in the film, he's using anger, and that's how he's able to fight so to so, so, so powerful and to go toe-to-toe with them. Mm-hmm. With this, this guy, this other Kryptonian who's had yellow sun radiation for 30-plus years, where Zod's only been there for a day. You know, mm-hmm. well, I thought it was it. There, there's multiple factors because yeah. not only is Zod fighting aggressively, but he's got military training, so he knows like even if Zod was fighting, um, like just say hand to hand combat under a red sun, yeah, Zod could fight a bigger dude and win because military tactics. He knows how to take down a bigger foe, absolutely. And even though Man is uh, Man of Steel, even though Superman is inexperienced in fighting. Um, well, because he's inexper- inexperienced with fighting, that's why Zod's able to take him down. Yeah. Because even though he's stronger, Zod knows how to take down how a, big, to fight. a bigger foe. So that he does, he can do that. Um, it's also fighting aggressively, and I think what also makes Superman powerful is not just how long he's been exposed to the radiation, but the Codex itself must play a part, right? It has to, yeah. I mean, later on we see that it, that it does have an effect on the baby. And, um, yeah, it's it's definitely. But also that's uh, that also must mean that, like, in his, his DNA is the rest of the DNA for Krypton. Mm-hmm. Kind of like also securing, Jor-El was securing the fact that, uh, 
that no one can replicate. No one there there won't be anything else other than baby cow. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like he notes that that you know I his think, time spent on Earth. Yeah. What? I th- well, I was gonna say I think Supergirl because we talked about like it was like we know why Zod could win win against yeah Superman, but Supergirl could go toe to toe with Superman because I th- we were talking about like his restraint. True, but she has no restraint. Superman's yeah. been taught to have restraint. We've seen her get very angry. She does go toe to toe with very, him, uh, red... especially in like newer New Fifty Two. Yeah, very stuff Red like Lantern yeah. stuff. And um, I was gonna say like his discipline. Yes, is why he looks like he's in trouble. Yes, but if he didn't want to be, he could end any fight real quick. And we do see that most definitely in a lot of books. One that comes directly to mind was a. Uh, Superman versus the Elite, and in the cartoon as well. That the, mm-hmm. the animated Superman short. versus the Elite, I yeah, remember, like yeah. that Manchester Black and all. Yeah, that. but ju- in Justice League Elite, like he's he he does not hold back, and in the animated short that they have now, it's uh, he he definitely hit a breaking point, and uh, you see him unleash the full fury of Superman, which isn't really even the full fury; it's just a, a little taste. But yeah, uh, Jor El definitely knew that the prolonged exposure to yellow sun radiation was definitely going to be the most uh, the, the, the most important aspect of, of the reason he was sending him to this solar system. And he notes that he said, you know, Lara says that they'll hate him. He'll, he'll be a freak, an outcast. And he said, no, he'll be a god to them. He already knew the effects that a yellow sun, especially after years and years and years, if he, you know, made it to this planet, this kid will be unfucking stoppable so he's all right think about it crazy smart scientist Jarrell has already thought this plan through and then he's like yo when my kid's 30 and he can be under a yellow sun for 30 years 30 cycles that's gonna be a force to reckon with that's what's going to keep krypton intact no one will be able to destroy him is the yellow sun the youngest like class of a sun i that, believe um like i'm trying to think like let's say earth wanted to send out a child yeah to a younger star system yeah would it would these effects be possible well under a different star n- but what do you send them to because we're already in a yellow sun do we have to wait till ours goes red which that would by the time that you know does that do suns just go from yellow to red is that a when thing they're, when they're dying is that is that a thing yeah oh because they're like i thought it was I yellow didn't... sun red sun <laughs> and then like they implode in themselves and so they're they have a dying sun as well but dying planet okay um the yellow sun is much younger that's why yes it's more radioactive and like more so radiation if, what if jor was trying to find or, or what if we're trying to do the same principle but like, it's like hey you... let's let's try to find a younger sun yeah you have to find a younger like star out there with a planet that's habitable and i was just wondering like what i don't know what you I don't know how do you gauge i know a red sun to a yellow sun like that's an obvious like okay that's a younger one but i'm saying to us do we have to look for something like oh that's a newborn star like i, I forget i don't forget the evolution of a star whatever they're called white dwarfs or something yeah like something like that like yeah. what do you send that to and um i mean i think it's possible to get some heightened ability physical ability like i'm not saying like flight and heat yeah i mean we never know science fiction has become a science fact what if uh i'm thinking this is all happening like uh koken times 10 
Like, yeah. Like something like that. Yeah. Not too crazy. Or like, uh, or Unlock- like Goku training on the trip to Namek and he gets off exactly. Namek and he's That's super, what I think. Yeah, I'm deal. definitely thinking like, yeah, that's possible. It's just like, you know, super gravity training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, I mean, that, that quote, um, he'll be a god to them, always stuck with me. And definitely is probably a central theme for this whole universe, um, Just, especially after seeing the, the, the events of, of uh, Dawn of Justice with Heroes Park and the statue and, and all of these things, especially like the news articles going by in that movie. Like, he'll be a god to them is a main thing, if not the best thing that jor could ever say to his son. I think that's a common theme that we see in DC entirely. Oh, yeah, like gods, DC absolutely, comics, yeah. Yeah, because you don't... That doesn't get thrown around in the Marvel universe, I don't think, as much. I mean, obviously, when Thor comes down, yeah. it's like, that's a god, um, you know, from Asgard. But yeah. they don't throw the Avengers around as, like... Yeah, they got go- more celestial things going yeah, on. Yeah, well, they're, like, they are the Avengers or, you know, superheroes. Yeah. But here in the DC universe, a lot of times, the Justice League and, and those people, they're referred to, you know, the gods and monsters. They're gods among us. Yeah, gods deal. among us, yeah. gods and monsters. Um, these are gods... Uh, looking down at us like everything's treated very um i don't know how to say it um it's a power kind of thing it's it's, yeah it's it's that that term god is automatically uh, associated with with a higher power yeah it it really heightens things and it it really it makes things scarier it makes things um especially when you take faith out of it it's because I mean, when you say God here, it's normal. It's like okay, that's that's faith based. But when you say God in these aspects, it's power. Based. Yeah, and it's it, it's like you were you can fight toe to toe with a God in this universe. They actually fucking existed, and if you could fight with them, that's mm-hmm. intense. Yeah, it it definitely when they throw around the word like he'll be a God and like they yeah. are gods among us, it's more terrifying than it is hopeful. I think. Yeah, it's definitely more terrifying. And you know who sees that? Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. <laughs> Absolutely. And Batman for a oh, bit. Oh, yeah, of course. Because, you know, he's considered, I guess they would, con- well, I guess he would be like the monster when you, like, gods and monsters. Like, yes. Because he's kind of a Yes. Weirdo. If you consider the, the trilogy just, or the, uh, God, the trilogy. The Trinity. The Trinity as uh, as DC Comics itself, um, the gods and monsters aspect would be gods, Superman, Wonder Woman, and monster Batman. He's mm-hmm. a thing of feared. Absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. I, um... I also, so sounds weird just randomly, but it makes sense. Let me get there. So, um, <laughs> I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and there's normally like um, a role that you can give your character, like uh, chaotic good or yes. like lawful evil and stuff like that. When you think about Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, they both, so you have Superman is like your lawful good. Yes. Batman is your chaotic good. Yes. And Wonder Woman is the neutral good. Like, she just is good, but, like, there's no law there. Like, she she believes in, like, Earth as a whole. Yes. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. Superman is lawful good because he's, like, doing everything by the book. And Batman has good intentions, but he's got a brutish way of doing things. Yep. And, and kind of going behind um, with contingencies and, and stuff on how to do it. So he's not played by the rules. And then... You can also look at that with their common rival, Lex Luthor and the Joker, and I guess you could say Cersei or Ares. Yeah, 
in which Lex Luthor represents the lawful evil, where Superman is the lawful good, and Joker obviously the chaotic evil to the chaotic good of Batman, and then Wonder Woman you have your neutral good, and mm. Cersei is like your neutral just evil, like she is just an evil power out there, like Lex Luthor. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I was gonna, I was trying to compare other Wonder Woman uh, enemies to like Ares as well, because he is the god of war, so war is just what keeps him alive, so he constantly has yeah. to have it. He doesn't know anything else, so it's that's his norm normality of it. Yeah, absolutely. Cheetah, uh, she is a lost Amazonian sister or whatever, so uh, you know she. She kind of has, well, no, that's more like vengeful. Mm. Yeah, but she's evil, but there's no... Um, there's no bigger motive to her? Like, she's not trying to be just chaotically evil. I think if there is, if it is just based on revenge and not like the Joker... Yeah, and not like the Joker where it's just like... Chaotic, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just doing yeah. it just to, you know, do it. Um, and then Lex Luthor is lawful evil because Lex Luthor believes that the world does not need Superman. Like, yeah. He hates Superman because yeah. he doesn't belong there. Of course. Like, it's the human race that is going to be the most superior. Yeah. Like, I'm doing he this. He is the most superior yeah, like, human race. And then all of a sudden, this guy can fly. Yeah. Of course, he's going to So hate he's him. like, I'm doing this because I believe this is like, we need this guy out of here. Yeah. Um, so he feels like there's confirmation in his actions. Like, there's uh, validation for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of, that's how that works out. That's how it works. That's how the cookie crumbles. That's how Krypton crumbles. That's it. That's <laughs> it right there. Crap. I didn't, oh, man. That's good. I didn't I think of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's all I got for this minute. Um, up, up, up. Where are we at? Where are we at? Yeah. God, I underlined that. Underlined what? He'll be a god to them. Oh no! It's that's that. But yeah, it's just like the fact that he he had already known, like he he knew that if he placed him at that specific planet, that he would be the most powerful hum- above all human existence on that planet and of all the Kryptonians. But in his mind, he's thinking he's going to be the last Kryptonian, so there's nothing not going to be anything left. So of course, let's make the last Kryptonian the most powerful of them all, so the you know so it can live on kind of deal. I think. Well, yes, he he thinks it's like Kal-El will be the last Kryptonian. Um, but even if he's wrong in that, he he knows that Kal-El will be the Kryptonian. Yes. So others may live on, but none of them will have the task of being the the new god of of a new place and and setting up a new future for krypton all right so what if what if uh if cal were to take the mindset of not not um disguising himself and 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 not so much terraform but still well yeah see like what if he were to procreate on a massive scale with with what he was given from the codex from jor-el and he did create a bunch of kryptons maybe not on earth but also under yellow sun knowing full full aware of the effects that it were to cause what if there was a entire planet of superpowered kryptonians well, I don't... and it, what would like would why would was jor-el thinking that like he he was going to give cow that choice like all right you can either live amongst the humans or you can create your own kryptonians and all be super powerful under a yellow sun or did he already think and know that cow you're it you don't don't have a baby don't make other kryptonians you're it man 
I don't. It's it's hard to say because Cal L, when he grows up in Kansas, yeah. he gets bullied, mm-hmm. and then you know he. I guess he he learns later that the Kryptonians with the yellow sun they could be the bully. Yeah. So he he wouldn't want to do that. He wouldn't want to make more of him. And he also wouldn't want to do that because why would you outnumber yourself when you know that you're going to be morally sound on these decision making? Why why set up a place for people like you to exactly to grow and then later have your um command be questioned um in a sense that if there were more kryptons on earth eventually one of them is going to be like we're just going to take things over yeah and now and we're Kal-El in the is like well i'm outnumbered and this is not what's right and not what's fair and not what is just so yeah. let's just not Let's let the humans rule because this is their planet. It's true. That's actually what's happening now in the the the, the third installment of uh, the Dark Knight comic series. Oh, the Master Race. Yeah, Master Race. Yeah, Kandor was the shrunken city and in the fortress, and uh, Ray Palmer expanded it and kind of unshrank them, and they were all like, "Oh snap!" So by I'll- the way, we've also been in an un- under a yellow sun in the fortress so uh we're super powered too and they all started taking over and stuff oh my god i haven't finished it yet so i don't know how no i want to read that too yeah and i'm hoping that they do but yeah that's in that instance that's kind of like what that did but it was also a crazy radical guy that that led the uh them breaking out and, and taking over and trying to take over earth but they didn't they weren't like terraforming anything they were set with having a super human planet super kryptonian planet i i'm hoping that they do an animated featured like they did part one and part two for the dark knight returns yeah i hope so too well i mean we'd have to first get strikes back which is not fun what do you mean well there's a set there's there's the dark knight mm-hmm. or uh part one or yeah the whole thing the, yeah, yeah it got split into two parts for an animated there's dark knight returns there's uh dark knight strikes back and then there's a dark knight master race Strikes Back was a, uh, a lot of people kind of say that book didn't happen. I didn't know it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hopefully, we'll try to get more expansive on that, uh, and hopefully we get to see more ideas behind, uh, especially with all these more outlets and media coming out with more uh, DC comic stuff, that we get to see more of a Kryptonian uh, thought process kind of mm-hmm. thing. So uh, maybe other people didn't knew as well that under a yellow sun you could have superpowers, and they were trying to get there, but didn't have spaceships capable of getting there. Who knows? Like other people on Krypton? Yeah. Who, yeah, who I don't knows? think they knew anything about that. That. You know, I'm, well, maybe some of them did. Maybe I don't we're like, think, yo, powerful, but if, it's, we don't got I'll a spaceship. You, if Zod knew about Yellow Sun... He would have been out of here? Yeah, he wouldn't even stay. He'd be like, screw the Codex. I'm just going to live like a king out there. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, okay, so taking it back to the idea that when they were all doing the uh, the scout ships, that scout ship crash-landed on Earth, but did no other scout ship get in contact with a Yellow Sun and report back? Well, I guess not, right? It depends on what happened to Kara and what happened to Dev M. Oh, yeah. She just apparently left. Or Amnesia. Well, no, it was... Well, apparently in the prequel, it doesn't tell you who... They they, they crash-landed on Earth, the two of them had a fight, and then a dark figure emerges out of the crashed ship. 
Who? What? Who yeah, fight? they both get like you know, like kind of Zod, like instant Krypton, uh, super superhuman powers. Who? Dev M and Dev Kara? M and Kara fight on a crash on the crash. And then there's a third Earth. dark figure. No, one dark figure leaves the ship after like the fight. The fight's like all big, boom, 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 boom. But you don't get to see who wins a fight because just a figure leaves. Like someone died in there. Like they killed him or whatever, and someone dipped out. Maybe yeah. Well, so, okay, you know you don't know. Okay. Maybe well, they ha- maybe they get, got uh, you know. We'll have to wait until we get to that part because yeah. that I mean when we get to see the, the the scout ship and stuff, we'll definitely come back to this. Did they have like a super power <laughs> fight? Yeah, like you know when Zod takes the helmet off and like he uh, and he takes his armor off and and he actually fights Kryptonian to Kryptonian. It's like that, but. You know, and either and both of them are both pissed off at each other, and they're fighting. That's why they're going toe to toe because they can match each other's rage with uh, the like instantaneous uh, Kryptonian superpowers that they have. They mm. get flight, they get super strength. You know, they just have to hurt for a little bit until they get used to it. I mean, it would be weird for Kara to win the fight and then walk away from the scout ship instead of calling for help. Yeah. Okay. So, so then you got one Kryptonian already on Earth. Uh, why, one, didn't she call for help, and two, why hasn't she been flying around and Superman's the first one we've been seeing flying around? In the classic Supergirl story, she doesn't like to be shown off and seen just like how they're kind of showing it in the CW version. She wanted to keep quiet and be, you know, she didn't want to, she didn't want to be Superman. But also, if Dev M left and he survived, why wasn't he General Zod? Yeah, Yeah, why wasn't he like, that's interesting. Maybe one of them got eaten by a narwhal and just couldn't break out in time because their super strength wasn't up and they retired from a fight. Well, I think we all know Kara won. I think that... I, <laughs> we, I, we all know that narwhals exist, so... Uh... Wait, I did not know narwhals existed for a very long time <laughs> when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> I thought they were you brought that up. drawing. I got, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that was a mythical beast yeah. for the very longest time until <laughs> someone told me that that was real and uh, it was a uh, shock. Yeah. And revelation for me. I had it's a like, go- whoa, what do you mean? What's that horn? It's a tooth. And yeah. that doesn't make any sense. It's like, what, that how whole, is it spiral? That whole <laughs> animal doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Yeah. I don't know how that thing exists. And um, it's like, it's almost like Pokemon-esque because it lives in fucking ice water. It's like, that I, thing's got to have some sort of powers I, that no one knows about. Couldn't believe someone was like trying to tell me that this thing was real. It scrambles the signals of like submarines and subs and ships, and they just don't know it because you know they're just like, "Sir, we got an object on the scopes." Oh, it's just a narwhal. Sir, we're crashing. <laughs> what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know, they could have some sort of a, a Bermuda Triangle effect that we don't know about. And uh, what if one of them made a Kryptonian, and it's just got superpowers? What if there's one? Super Kryptonian narwhal going around and just wrecking nuclear subs. And that's what he does. That's what he does. It's he's just pissed off. He's got a big old stomach ache for hundreds <laughs> of years. <laughs> and he, can, he has x-ray vision and heat ray vision. And yeah. All that. Uh, so uh, next time on Narwhal Minute, <laughs> we're going to be talking about um, specifically uh, just a tooth. Specifically. Um, you got anything else for this minute? Uh, no, I think that's it. A lot of... Uh, Gosh, a lot of we lot of we went on tangents on this one. No, I thought it was good. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, just a narwhal bit at the end. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's it. We're gonna go ahead and wrap up this minute, minute number nine, and uh, we will catch you guys on the next one here on uh, DC Cinematic Minute.